Welcome to the Guys from Podcast, just two guys answering the internet's questions. I'm Sean Cordingly. And I'm Jeremy Berkeley. Today's question comes from Michelle, and it's about building NPCs and antagonists. I'm, I'm starting to think that as soon as people hear, and my name's Jeremy, everyone's like, ah, ah, game day. Yes. <laughs> hmm. Because it's been... Two months of D anD D or three? Oh, it's, I think it's been three. Three, I because think it's we, been did three. we did player tips first, then GM tips, yeah. first time GM, and then building a narrative. Yep. And now today is building NPCs, yes. non-player characters. That's right. Actually, it's funny because um, some people now are like, "Oh, I saw that you're doing another podcast. What do you do on there?" And I'm like, "Well, it's an information podcast where we answer questions." Yep. And I'm the nerd expert. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and they're like, "Pardon me." Yeah. I'm like, just accept it. Yep. Just accept it. Just accept it. It's I fine. do want to give a shout out before we start. Okay. Because we got a question from Annette, and I don't know if we can do it, but I am so happy she asked. We're, I think we're going to try. Yeah. At some point, we both just need a bit of more prep than we had at the moment. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like it's going to become a sprawling word document, but that's okay. It could. Yeah. 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 Uh, and she asked us to tell the story of our Illuminati bears, basically. Yep. So if you listened to our Building a Narrative podcast, which we definitely recommend you do, especially if you are running a game or just looking for some random way to write a story or yeah, script we're or talking anything. About tabletop RPGs, but really it applies to most stories. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, we needed examples, so we started building <laughs> off of, because in our Be a GM tips was like, okay, you're, uh, start them small. Adventurer's Guild. There's a bear problem. Deal with the bear. Deal with the bear. And then we just kind of spiraled it out a bit. Yep. Improvising and just randomly saying stuff. And <laughs> now we're going to see, Annette. We, we will try and actually Well, do I just tell. want to let you know, Annette, you made my heart sing. Yeah. <laughs> but enough about that. Now we have to talk about building NPCs. That's right. And before we start, I want to give a quick disclaimer to any GMs or DMs or would-be GMs out there. Uh, this is all going to be real great advice for you, and you should follow it, but uh, you're never going to be at 11 the entire time during a game. No. Nope. Uh, you're not going to be at your best, so never feel bad about putting in a generic NPC. Yeah, if you just need to throw in Dave, who talks like you... Dave talks like you. Yep. It's fine. Yep. If if you just need to put in a waitress who doesn't have the time of day for people, do it. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, and don't feel bad about it because I know that I struggle with that sometimes. Yeah. I, I occasionally do as well. Where it's yeah. like, man, I just, uh, there's nothing to this character, but they can't all be multi-layered, multi-faceted. It's not going to well, work. They can't even all just be one note but a really high note yeah no uh, you can't do it uh so nor should you try no <laughs> you no. will burn yourself out so fast yes you will and also you need lows for there to be highs yep if everything is one note high at one level it's going to start to feel samey and yeah. then you're going to have to try and push yourself higher and that ain't going to be happy nope that's that's going to be stressed you stressed yeah. out unhappy you that's never what you want and disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> now here's all the things you have to do to not suck. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to start out with just generics. And yep. we're going to head into patrons, which are 
the good guys that give you quests and stuff. Then we will take our break. Yes. And then we will talk about building antagonists. Yeah. Which we also kind of got a half question about as well, but we thought we would fold it into the Michelle question. Because it's basically the same thing, just they have a different purpose. Yep. Yep. Yarp. (laughs) (laughs) And we gave you some baseline stuff in building a narrative. We might repeat that. We might repeat some of it. Because you Uh, could be a new listener. Hey, maybe you're like, I don't need tips on building a narrative, but building characters. I'd like some more tips from Mm. two experienced DMs. That's right. (laughs) Welcome to your doom. Uh. (laughs) So, what is the first thing that you do when you are building a new NPC? Um... Okay, if you're just meeting somebody, I literally call these NPCs the people you meet. Sure. Um, and that's your restaurant owners, your shopkeepers, your bartenders, your waitresses, the street urchins, the guard. I try to focus in on one thing. Just one thing. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't even have to be a character trait. It can be a voice. Yep. Uh, the last session I ran, um, I had this guy who had set up a stand in a market, but was not a regular, like, shopkeeper. Oh, okay, sure. Um, so, like, an artisan or, like, a craftsperson who was running was the shop? He was actually a scavenger. Ah, okay. Um, who had gotten some things that he was like, these are magic and probably valuable. I will try and sell them because gold is more important to me than having this item. Fair. So, he set up this shop, and I didn't have any character traits for him. Uh, And this is just, that sounds really complex, but that's just like something I have off to the side that I can grab from at all times. It's a template. So the only thing I decided for this guy is that he kind of talks like a pirate. Um, And my players loved interacting with him. There you go. And then as the the talking went on, it's very easy to improv more personality into a character when people are engaging. So that's literally all I chose. Talks like a pirate. And then somebody asked him to prove if an item was magic. And in D&D, magic also repels like dirt and dust and rust. So he took his sandwich, a big old hoagie, and (laughs) dripped the grease over this pair of gloves. And then wiped it off and like just like turned it upside down and all the grease fell off. And he's like, looks magic to me. Um, And then the character tried to uh, negotiate to get half of that sandwich and he responded no my wife made it for me it's full of love um so now he has a wife that makes him lunch and he really appreciates it so now you have an interesting character there's a richer life there than you set out with yes so for the people that you meet just have one thing it could be a personality trait sure yeah Maybe this person is just like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, why not? Oh, hi. See you're here to look at my wares. <laughs> what would you like? And your, immediate, your players are immediately inferring so much based on what they already know of that voice yep. in this character. Yep. Because we've told you so many times before, steal stuff. Oh, yeah. Steal whatever you can, whatever you like, whatever you want. And it doesn't just have to be fictional characters. I was driving here today, and Guns N' Roses came on the radio, and I was like, can I sound like Axl Rose? And I could sort of. Sort of, yeah. 
So guess what? Now I have another thing that I can just be like, yeah, this person sounds like Axl Rose. And you, the thing, the beautiful thing about stealing a character or a person is there's a bunch of stuff you don't have to make up that's already going to be there. Yep. So have a basic character, have a person, have a trait, have a voice. Have what they do. Yep. Give them a skill. Yep. I need this person to be a real good barterer because they're, they're like the best shopkeep yep. in this town, and that's because they are the best at negotiating prices. Yep. If that's all you know, you can start building off of that. The problem that you will always run into if you try and do too much is your players are not going to run into all of your NPCs that you build. And you could spend 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour on an NPC that you absolutely love and they never, ever come up. And you can start like pulling to repurpose and that sort of thing, but that character might not happen. So all of that work you did, not necessary. It's... and. You don't have to be like me, but I have a Rolodex in my head where I just go, okay, uh, I'm going to pull this, this, and this. And I have a name and an occupation and a trait. Sure. Uh, And a lot of those times when somebody is meeting a person, that's already filled out for you. Yep. Right? What what are they doing? Oh, they're a street urchin. They're going to steal. What's their trait? Oh, well... um, Sleight of hands high. Sleight of hands high. Great. So they're... Are they are they a pickpocketing street urchin or are they like a distracting street urchin? Are they a scam artist or are they just begging for food? Yeah, um, that's all very easy. And then you give them a personality trait. This is a street urchin with puppy dog eyes. There you go. There you that's go. probably a begging street urchin and not a stealing street urchin. That's right. So all that stuff is going to inform, and just pay attention in media. Yeah, um, and that's where you're going to get the stuff that is going to make these people that you meet interesting or not. Yep. Because it's fine to have uninteresting people. You need to have uninteresting people. You need to have mundane NPCs. Yep. Because not everyone, if you, if your party that's at that adventurer's guild is near that farming town and they're going to information to try and find out where the bear is attacking. Yep. Not every farmer is going to be a rich, multifaceted, fascinating to the 11 character. Nope. Some of them are just farmers. Neither are those merchants. No. Yeah. Some of them are just there because that's where they grew up and they farm. That's what they do. They're simple folk. They're nice Maybe they're not nice. Maybe they don't like outsiders. Whatever. But they can just be plain. Yep. And make plain NPCs. That way your key NPCs and the ones that your players glom onto stand Stand out. out. Jinx. (laughs) Sean, 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 Sean. Yay. (laughs) Be the worst podcast ever. (laughs) Although similar to a few of the times when it's like, Jeremy's going to talk about D&D now for 15 minutes. Yep. Yep. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Good point, Jeremy. Mm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I will give a few things that I find have worked in multiple games for me. Okay. Um, if you have people, your characters are entering sort of a merchant square or just uh, the selling district, commercial or whatever wise, uh, and you don't really have any specific shops, so you don't want to give them lots of extra equipment. Have somebody who's selling meat on a stick in a movable cart. There you go. Sure. They don't have to be there next time if you don't want them to be. 
They can show up other places in this city because their cart can move. They have a cart. And they probably have lots of street-level information. Sure, yeah. Because they're talking to all the people around. And they get around the city. Yep. So this is a person that's probably going to have a lot of information. The players will probably enjoy talking to them. And they can buy meat on a stick. Players like meat on a stick. People like food on stick. This goes beyond just a game. People like food on sticks. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Maybe maybe your character during this interaction rolls a 20 on something. Maybe it's on their roll to negotiate how much their meat on a stick is. Maybe that stick is actually a magic wand. There you go. There you go. So you can really insert lots of things into that. People generally like it, and it's something that almost every city, no matter how big or small, will have. Yeah. Um, So that's a good thing to draw from. And a key to stuff like that is allowing your players to find the NPCs that they love. Yep. Because when you build the guy who has a cart that sells meat on a stick, there's a good chance your players will love that character. Yep. So you then can spend more time fleshing more out. And when you improvise something, when you are dealing with a character who only has a trait or a job or a whatever, write it down. Yep. And keep a... Once a character starts to become key, and you are going to immediately notice when a character went from being random NPC to center of a narrative that the players are going to demand of you. Yep. Start fleshing them out then. Start building them richer. My notes for my scavenger merchant are pirate voice sandwich wife love the next time that character if that character appears he will mention probably his wife have some sort of reuben great and i know he's a scavenger so he's gonna look motley probably yeah that works uh it's very easy you don't need extensive notes couple words yeah yeah. All I had for my portmaster and the start of the game that Jeremy's in was a vo- like a vocal note. Mm-hmm. I would I, portmaster job vocal note. That's everything I had mm-hmm. and a, like a, a light character description. Yep. I'm like there's a good chance they're going to run into him, so I will make sure I have this. And now super important in the story because yep. the party immediately loved him. <laughs> yep. Yep. I mean, we love people liked him so much that for that session, you were like, mm, things are happening. Why isn't anyone interacting? And it's because half the players were agape. Yeah. They were like, yeah. this is amazing. I'm just going to let Sean keep going. Yeah. And um, that was my first session running in like eight years, yep. too. Yep. So it was just like, okay, either I'm not doing very well or I've really fallen right back into where I used to be. Yeah. Uh, actually, if you have the fifth edition uh, D&D DM screen, they have a list of random traits on the side, mm-hmm. and uh, you can make your own lists. Lists are really useful for this particular thing. I love lists. List of names. I was That was going to be one of the key things that I promoted the hell out of in this podcast. Oh, to... hello, construction. Con... All right, then. Uh, there's There might be some drilling, apparently. Apparently. Or... That's okay. Uh, okay. I think we can go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you were saying you're really going to promote lists. A of list names. of names specifically. It's harder to come up with names on the fly than you might think. 
It's not, <laughs> actually. Baby name generator. You can find ba- either baby name well, generators I mean, if when you're, you're at the table. If you don't have that list oh, already. Oh yes, no. Yes. Don't rely on yourself at the table, no. especially if you're running longer sessions. Yep. Even short sessions, three to four hours. By the third, like three and a half hours, when they ask for a new character name for a character, like an NPC that was literally just a jacket, yep. and that's all you had yep. was the jacket. Yep. You're gonna call him Jack, yep. and you're not gonna like yourself after. Well, you but, might. It well, depends on the. It depends of, on the group. The type of my group you might are. appreciate it. Yeah, but because Dirk Taylor, the tailor. Dirk Taylor, the tailor who sails. Yeah. Dirk Taylor, the tailor who's a sailor. Yeah. yeah. He's pretty fantastic. Yeah, he's pretty great. <laughs> but still, that was also technically pre-built. But regardless, <laughs> yeah. you might not like that. So just have a list of names. Yep. By species. Yep. Or a race, depending on what game you're playing is what term I use, species, because they're not all humanoid. Yep. But. Yeah, just have have the list of available species or race. Does it only happen when I talk? <laughs> <laughs> uh, have that list of uh, races and species. Yep. Have a list of names. Yes. And have a list of random traits. Yep. Uh, and even just... Have that as a sticky note, or if, if you, you have enough traits, and this yeah. is something I do. When I first start, I roll a bunch of d20s, so I have some stuff pre-rolled. That way, my party doesn't always know yep. when I'm rolling for something, and I just like they're in an order, whatever the number is. That's what I use it for, and then I use it. Have one on your trait list, so yep. when there's a random thing, it's just like, oh, it's trait number eight. Okay, they're they <laughs> they're greedy. Yep, perfect, gone. Yep. And their name is, check the other list. And I think it's Chaz. <laughs> greedy Chaz. Greedy Chaz. And you probably already know what Greedy Chaz would sound like. Yep. So go for it. That's, my, that's my next piece of advice, by the way. Go for it. Yeah. Don't be afraid of caricatures. Don't yep. be afraid of being too big or too small. Nope. Just do it. Yep. But commit. Absolutely. The thing is, when you commit, remember... All the players are taking their cues from you. Yep. So when you commit, they'll commit. Yes. Um, and the best thing about the people that you meet is that it doesn't matter if they're outlandish and don't fit anything else what's going on. They don't need to. So this is your chance. If you're feeling bogged down by the story, you want to inject something different, you just want to have a fun time. Yep. This is your chance. So take it. Take it. You do, and you don't know where it's going to go. No. Maybe your fun time will turn the entire campaign on its head and everything will become a lot lighter. Yep. And if that's what you want, take it. Yep. Maybe you have a character who they meet and does one nice thing for them. And it turns out that somebody in your party has never had anything nice done for them. Because a lot of backstories are like that. Yeah, a All lot of, of sudden, backstories. This random character is super informative to that particular player. I think we might just have to talk through the drilling. Okay. <laughs> uh, Sorry, everybody. Yeah, there's literally nothing we can do about that. Yeah. Apartments. Yep. Yeah. I forgot what I was saying, Sean. Uh, something nice. It might be the first time that a character had something nice because a lot of backstories are pretty dark. Yep. So then... It's informative to the, the player. And there, yeah. it lets the player think of possibilities. 
uh, do they come back and try and find this person? Does do they get a king, kindling of romantic interest? Do they need to protect this person? Yeah. Right. Like, I I have they've met so many people because my campaign's been going for over a year and a half. Right. They've met so many people that in the war arc I just did. They were like, we need to go to this town. And it wasn't because the town was important. It wasn't because the town had any sort of tactical benefit. Is because they're like, oh, Susan is there. <laughs> right? Like, we need to protect Susan. Was was she actually called Susan? No. Ah, uh, that's but too bad. No reason not to call her Susan. No, that's fair. Yeah. yeah. Like, we need to go here and protect this person. Or they'll find, sometimes, like, because you'll meet people on the road, vagabonds. Mm-hmm. Right, and sometimes the vagabond is the person they want to protect, so they take them and pu- bring them to the militia, right? And they're like, "Hey, can you train this guy to be a militia so he has somewhere safe to stay?" That's so nice at that party. It's so nice of them. Uh, and sometimes you need to change the story. Yep. Sometimes you need to k- kick the story forward, and sometimes you have reached the end of a like a story arc, mm-hmm. and there might only be one NPC who can push them forward. You got them. Yep. If they love an NPC enough, you can use that NPC to progress the story in a way that they can't see coming otherwise. Oh, definitely. And I definitely used that in my anniversary game in our party where it's just like, I need to move them out of this because they're going to get bogged down again if I don't. Yep. And I know who I need to use. Yep. (laughs) And it worked. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely worked. Because in character, I know Jeremy even told me this afterwards that he wasn't sure his character would listen to what I was saying needed to happen if it wasn't that NPC. Definitely. Definitely. Because that NPC has such a like is such a like a flagpole yeah. for that party. It is. Totally. Totally. And the other thing, the flip side of this is that sometimes people will have very strong negative reactions to a character. Oh yeah. Uh, I stole a character from the campaign podcast. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, he is a womanizer. Sure. But very confident, quite charming and good at adapting. So he's he's like a Dirk Taylor, but better. Yeah. At being Dirk Taylor. Yes. Yes. Uh, so Dirk Taylor is a intru- lovable womanizer. He's terrible. <laughs> I, yeah, I introduced him on Valentine's Day. Oh. Um, okay. Because I am evil. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yes, but uh, later on in the war arc, actually, I had him pop up when I was like, I want to get a little bit more exposition. Out here, I want to deliver this information that almost nobody would have, except for the people in the enemy's camp. Sure. So, the party got po- called out to parlay against their opponents. Okay. And who's a prisoner there? This guy who decided to break into one of the camps the party cleared to scavenge stuff and got caught. <laughs> and what does he do? He name drops the party so that Sweet. they can get him out of the sticky situation. Right? I don't know what's going to happen, but I've just introduced a whole schwack of complex things because they might not want to save that character, but the character has what they need. Yep. So they'll do it begrudgingly, and that is one of my favorite things to see a party do. (laughs) Fine. We have to do this because we want to, but we really don't. Yeah. But it's also, he's a character the party does not like, but they kind of like not liking him. Yep. Yeah. Those those NPCs are almost impossible to build without being at the table. Yeah. 
you like you can't sit down and be like they're going to hate this character but also love him. Yeah. There's a very good chance that if you build a character that you think your party's going to hate, they're going to hate that character. Yes. Yes. <laughs> There's not going to be a like a a side of loving and begrudging admiration. No, like they they hate this character in game and then after they're like, "Man, that guy has balls." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a begrudging respect. Yeah. Yeah. So you can use any time your players have a strong reaction to a person they meet. Yep. Just make a note of it. Yep. Right? And, it, like, strong, like, love, like, laughed a lot or whatever it is. Strong distaste. Yeah. Deep-rooted distaste. Yes. So that even when they haven't come up in six months, the party still talks about them. Guess when I brought him back, Sean? The week of the Valentine's Day this year (laughs) came back one year later (laughs) so good that's awesome it's so good (laughs) yeah uh and this is actually is a good point i think for us to step into sort of the next sort of good npc you meet and that is your pay like patrons yep um because a lot of times your patrons are coming from people they meet yes uh typically that, that is the easiest way to get one hey they like this character great you can make that character a quest giver, a font of information. Yep. Or maybe a shady contact. Uh, there's t- lots of ways to reel them into your ongoing campaign. Yeah. Um, and it's so much easier when they naturally feel like they're doing it themselves. Yep. Oh, man, we love talking to this character. This character has been so good to us. Hey, do you know anything about insert thing that we're trying to figure out? Hey, do you know anything about that bear? There, <laughs> I was trying not to just go back to bears again, but yeah. Look, we've got at least one fan of bears out there. Yep, okay. We've got to deliver, Sean. Fair enough. <laughs> bears. Uh, so yeah, it, it really helps when you have those NPCs that they will go to anyway because they want to. If it works contextually within your narrative that they can provide the information, yeah, do it. Yeah, like don't have. Oh man, we really love that grandmotherly character in town. She probably doesn't know everything about the bear Illuminati. No, she's probably not a spy master. Unless she's the head of the bear Illuminati. Maybe she's a bear in disguise. <gasps> bear illusion mage. <laughs> You know, the more we talk about this, though, the more we have to do that bear narrative <laughs> podcast. I mean, we'll just make a supercut. Oh, <laughs> that sounds like a lot of work. I'd rather just do it. That's fair. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, that sort of goes into the disclaimer of this, is that even if they really like an NPC, you can't shoehorn. Don't break your narrative to fit the party loving somebody. Yeah. Yeah. If there's an opportunity, do it. Yeah. Take those opportunities, but don't force it. No. Because if you do force it, it's going to feel forced. And also it's going to make, even if they're not being railroaded, stuff like that makes players feel railroaded. Yep. Yeah. And maybe some parties are okay with that. They want just a linear line. And if that's what they're like, fine, take it, just run with it. Mm -hmm. But most don't. Mm -hmm. And it's not a great idea. Nope. Not the best. But uh, if you're building a patron from scratch... My suggestion is build the area around them. Yep. So Typically, if, you're going to use authority figures, yeah. especially early. Yeah. So you're going to want to know 
of what they have authority over. What do they do? Yep. Are they head of a merchant's guild? Are they the leader of a clan? Are they the head of the adventurer's guild outside that small town? Yep. They're, just build that first. Yep. Because you need to know what that is in order to know what kind of person could ascend to where they could be yeah. a quest giver Who's in that in charge organization. Of that? Yeah. Who's in charge of that? A lot of your character building is just going to be, oh, this is where they are. These are the traits they would have to have. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which is a lot easier than building a really interesting character and being like, now where do I put them? Yeah, th- that's almost impossible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that that NPC that you built quickly becomes a person they might meet. Yep. Uh, and uh, you don't want that. No. You put a lot of work. The, the stuff you put a lot of work into, you'd like to show up. Yeah, you really, really would. Yeah. That's not to say that it's still not going to happen. It will. And especially if you run games the way I run games, plug, I suppose, back to when we're talking about being a DM. Yep. But because my narrative is so sandboxy, I had to build in, I'll go back to the Alpha Party, when they were on a planet trying to do the mineral rights and then had to deal with cannibals and all of this other stuff to help a town of survivors who weren't cannibals where they met a couple of NPCs that they really liked. Yep. (laughs) Including a bunch of children that... Swallowed the soul of one of the characters. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> in, a, in the nicest way possible. Versus a different game where they literally swallowed the souls. Yeah, that was not so nice. No. <laughs> I feel like we're going to get a question of just talking about different stories that we've run. Maybe. I feel like that's going to happen soon. Maybe. I'm a big fan of one-shots, so I have a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Anyways. because I'm sandboxy, yeah. I had a massive NPC built who was super, super necessary for a completely different side of the sandbox. So if the party had gone the other direction, they would have run into her and she would have been the central point. But they never did. So I have this like three pages worth on this one character. Instead, I seduced a guard. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Typically, yes. Yeah. But, like, there was a failed check, or a failed climbing check, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden that character wasn't met when she could have been. Yep. It happened. Timing-wise, it just didn't work out. Timing-wise, she wasn't in the town. Timing-wise, she wasn't there. So it just, you will have those characters that you have built that you care about that are quest givers. Yep. Who are fully fleshed out with stats. We're going to touch on that at some point, too. Yep. Nothing. Never met her, never will. They're not on that planet anymore. Nope. Not necessary. But here's what you can do with that. You can reskin. Yep. So that stuff that you've built, that they, you like, oh, they're never going to find that. Well, guess what? Just look three sessions down the way when you've got another character possibility coming up and just look at it and be like, can I reuse this? Does this make sense? And if it does, great. You just saved yourself some work. Yep. And if it doesn't, can you cut some stuff or tweak some stuff to make it work? Yeah. And if not, keep it. Yep. Because maybe it's not three sessions. Maybe it's eight. Maybe it's a year. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like, holy crap, I need a character like this. All I have to do is level her up. Yep. Done. Yeah. Speaking of all the stats and stuff, because we've got sort of the basis of a character from the people that you meet. Pretty much. Yep. 
Um, and patrons are basically people that you meet that have more importance. Yeah, they're, essentially. They're, they have more importance, and therefore they need more depth. Yes. Um, and that depth's actually going to come from the mechanical side of stuff. Yes, it is. So when you're building that place, and then you're like, okay, who is here? Who, who would have that position? You're going through, you're building the traits. What do they need to be good at? Yep. You already have the information from how players build their characters. Yes. Uh, is this the head of an adventurer's guild? Why are they a good adventurer? Look into that. Look into what stats apply are they to a hunter? Being a great adventurer. Good decks. Uh, and make sure you give them one social stat that's important. Yeah. At least one. Because that's uh, typically to rise in an organization, you need at least one good social stat. Yep. And remember that this person is exceptional. Yep. Other people know that they're exceptional. Yeah. That's so why they follow them. Don't be afraid to give them really good stats. Don't be afraid to make them much better than the party. Yeah. Sometimes make many of them better than the party. Yep. Because it'll just make things easier for the party. Yep. And sometimes that's nice. Yes. Sometimes they like that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, look at whatever system you're using. Yeah. The statistics that inform how good a character is at things are where you're going to start adding depth. Yep. Also, take a look at skills. Yep. Head of the Adventure Guild, think of some of the things. Do you want them to be like a survival tracker? Yep. Then you need to look into what statistics need to be high for that to be exceptionally high. Yeah. Are, they a, are they a medic? Yep. Are they inspiring? Yeah. Are they just the best darned fighter in town? All possibilities, especially for patrons. Yep. So now that you've got that sort of set and you've got your statistics sort of set, you look at what's high and what's low and just assign, I'd say, three or four things to the extremes of that character. Sure. And those are your quirks. Yep. <laughs> Flaws. So, yeah. If, if we're different. working with the hunter tracker. Sure. Okay. Right? Well, maybe the quirk is... It doesn't track animals. It tracks people, yeah. right? And is interested in the movements of people. A man tracker, if you um, will. Yes, some sort of man tracker. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, all of a sudden, this character is going to be interested in where the party goes. Yes. And that might not come out in a social situation, but maybe he has the party tailed. Yeah. Or something like that. And he just likes knowing where people are. Now Entirely you have a little possible. bit more depth to the character. Yep. Maybe the character is very wise and not very intelligent. Well, maybe that puts the party off guard when they say something that is actually very true and, and important that maybe they didn't think of. And this idiot said it. <laughs> it's simple, but it's clear. Yep. And those characters can be so fun to play. They are. Super wise, low intelligence. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I don't know why I know this, but this my gut says this is a bad idea. <laughs> Uh, look at those things and look like specifically at the highs and the lows and give them a low. Yeah. At least one. Because when the party figures out what their weakness is as a character, they might be able to exploit it. Yeah, maybe they need to. Yep. Or some parties just want to. Yep. Some people want to be stealing from every shopkeeper. Sometimes that happens. Yep. yep. It's going to happen. Um, but that's where you start sort of building your quirks. And the quirks are actually the things that are going to bring players back Yep. Uh, to that character. If, you've, if you're running a game and you have trouble sort of nailing your party down 
to a patron or a person that they can trust or anything like that, it's probably because they haven't met anybody who is quirky enough. Yeah. Right? And also, generally, quirky people are the ones that other people like more in the real world. Yeah, it's true. If you are completely straight-laced, no one's calling you for drinks. No, because you're kind of dull. Yeah. I had a sci-fi game where I had a character called Hetzfield. Okay. Sort of a mad scientist. Fun. And sort of was the Q for the group. Like Star Trek Q? No, like uh, James Bond Q. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So a gadget kind yeah, of person. Right. Okay. And <laughs> so, <laughs> they like went, there's so many Qs. Which yeah. one do you mean? They wanted to go and get some equipment, but it was like pa- past the regular hours. It was like 1 a.m. or something like that. Sure. But they're all in the same complex. They all live together. So they go to his room and they open the door. And what is he doing? Well, he's brewing his own alcohol called fairy dust. Okay. And now that that character became the party's favorite character. And also they were just like, I don't get you. I don't understand you. <laughs> right? Yep. Uh, and now they love that character. Great. So the, the that's a quirk that this guy makes his own crazy alcohol. Yeah. That's a quirk that you can pull on and it doesn't have to show up right away. No, exactly. Let stuff happen organically. Yeah. Don't force the quirks in. We're being very, very clear that quirks are important. Yeah. But they might not come out in that first meeting. If they show up and they're like, we need Sanctuary and the Adventurer's Guild, the head of the Adventurer's Guild is probably not going to let their hair down right away. Nope. They're just going to be like, okay, you got to work for room and board. Bear problems. Yeah. Also, the quirks are the things where... When a character finally is trying to connect to an NPC or your patron or get information out of them, those quirks that get revealed are what brings the two characters closer together. Yep. Yeah. And if all else fails, the character trait gregarious is good. Is always useful. Yep. yep. Just gets along with people. Yep. Because that makes them charming yep. usually. Or it just it makes them easy to talk to. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's what a party needs, is they just want somebody where there's not the caginess. They can insight check. It's like, nope, it's all on the level. It's all great. Yep. This person is an honest person. Yes. Sometimes that's what they need. Yep. So seize onto that. (laughs) Seize the day. Yes. Uh, Yeah. You have anything else you want to add to patrons specifically for building them? Some of them you will want to consider gear or put some loose gear sets together. Uh, especially if we're sticking with the bear narrative, the Adventurer's Guild head has their gear. If they're an Adventurer Guild or they're the best fighter or they're a hunter tracker, they have gear and their gear needs to be theirs. Yeah. So maybe it's special. Maybe it's got magical elements. Maybe it, it's not, but it's the best you've ever seen. Yeah, maybe it's just incredibly well kept. Yeah. Or it's dyed. Because you also never know when a patron's going to turn. Yep. You also never know when a party's going to turn on a patron. That's true. <laughs> because every once in a while, you might just build an NPC. You're like, oh, they're going to love this NPC. It's going to be great. And the party's not having a great day. And something comes up like while you are interacting. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, crap. That NPC just sounded like a bad guy. Yep. Uh-oh. And then they murderize it. Yep. And you're like, crap. They're going to loot this. Yep. They need to have things. Yep. Don't do it for every NPC. No. Worst case scenario, you're going to need a couple, one to two a session. Yep. Try and guess which ones it's going to be. It should be fairly obvious if you're being clear on building your narrative. 
and have just some loose sets of gear that would make sense contextually for the area. And here's a neat trick for you. Let's say this happens and you don't have exact gear. You have sure. the the notes of what they would have and that it has some magical effects. And maybe you've hinted at that to the party. Yeah. And they murderize this patron. Right. Right? Here's a trick. Have some blank cue cards. Yeah. Pass out a cue card to the person who's looting. And then make them write it down while you explain it to them. What, yep. the, what the item is. And now you've bought yourself time to make this item. And two, they're all still engaged and really interested as to what's happening. Yeah, exactly. Right? And it, it doesn't take them out at all. And you've saved yourself from sitting down and having to write for five minutes. Yep. Um, Which does disengage a party. Yep. So, cue cards. Your friends. Yeah. They yep. definitely are. Yep. They are sitting right next to me as we podcast. They are. <laughs> They're a light green. Yep. <laughs> they sure are. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, a quick trick. If somebody does do that, you can do that. The other trick you can have, and that I like to do sometimes, because I'm not a person who really likes managing loot. Fair. Uh, as a GM, is that I will make 10, 15 magic items. Okay. And I'll just put them in my binder off to the side. And when they kill something or find something that I don't really have a plan for, well, I just go in there and I do a random drop. And the players, not the characters, will love that. Yep. Because it's a common thing in video games. Oh, that it works, totally That is. works done for you already. You don't have to explain it. The players understand and accept it already. Yeah. And some people love it. Oh, they do. And sometimes you get great moments like... The drop is a magical bag of tricks that produces random alchemical potions or blows up. So now you have, okay, why did this character have this? It creates a question for your party, yep. um, which can be interesting. It creates a story around the item. Uh, and so, questions for your party and stories around an item lead to more story beats. Yep. So those are just two tips to deal with when everything goes wrong. Yep. <laughs> and it's gonna. Yeah, it's gonna. It's definitely going to. Yeah. And they're also just fun things. And th those random drops are, you can put your weird shit in there. Yeah, definitely I, I had some armor that literally shimmers everywhere you go. It gives disadvantage on stealth checks and any sleight of hand stuff you're trying to do. <laughs> right? Um, but one of my players loves it because they glitter wherever they go. Great. Yeah. And it is a magic item. It does give them benefits. Yeah. Um, Good. The stuff that's, like, big trade-offs for magic items. Like, yeah, you get an extra attack for ten minutes, and then after that, you are exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> right? The, so it's great when you use it. Yep. But? But there's a drawback. And that those items are interesting for your players, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, our alpha party, one of the players just got, uh, like, a disc. Mm-hmm. They don't really know what it does, but some of what it does was example to them. Yep. Some of it was great. Some of it didn't really do anything. Yeah, some of it turned someone blue for three hours. Yep. <laughs> That's it. No benefit. Yep. But then there was a really great benefit immediately afterwards yep. when they did something different with it. Yep. So sometimes it's just doing random stuff. Yep. Uh, anything else for patrons? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I think that's a really good base. 
again, I think always start from sort of the people you meet place. Yeah. And if you have a patron, make sure you build why where they are first. Contextualize them. Yeah. Always contact the third C of C and C and D. And D. Yeah. Communication, consistency, and context. <laughs> there we go. Now we just need a P. Then we can have shirts. No. <laughs> We're not having any CCCP. Of D&D? No. Only C's. Yeah. Only C's and D's. Okay. Fine. Should we go to commercial? We'll go to commercial, and then we will talk about building antagonists. That's right. Intentional antagonists. That's right. Intentional antagonists. <laughs> because... You'll find some ones that are not. Yep. 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 Sometimes they just want to be douchebags and sell soda. Or at least their dad does. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, our second half is brought to you by corn. You probably hadn't thought about corn yet today, had you, Jeremy? I didn't. See? You should be. You should be. I'm thinking about it. Stop looking at me like that. (laughs) Everything has corn in it. Everything is corn. Why aren't you having corn right now? You're listening to me right now using corn. Eat corn. Buy corn. Live corn. And we're back. Welcome back, Sean. Uh, welcome back, Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> we had our corn, and now we're good to go. Yes, corn. I love it. Delicious corn. Okay, so building antagonistic NPCs. Yes. Everything from big bad down to nothings. Yep. So, I think the way you start this is you have first an idea about an antagonistic force. My suggestion is you start at the bottom of that force, whatever it may be. Okay. So, your minion. Who is the rank and file? Right. And that's going to be central sort of around the force you choose. Is it secretive? Is it brute force? Is it an established faction? Is it new? Is it revolutionary? Okay. Um, but that's going to help you first because generally when you're building a, a big antagonist for your story the mooks and the minions are what the players are first going to come across yep so you can put off doing all the high-end work but you can't put off this work no but you do need the high-end concept yes which is why you start with the idea of the force yep and build up from there so you you have to start with gigathorn yeah but you have to actually like you have to base out gigathorn yeah and then start with bears yes and basing out is basically just a person you meet. Yeah. But with a bent that is antagonistic. Yep. That's all. Just, you know that Gigathorn exists. Yep. And if you haven't listened to that one, Gigathorn is the Ur-Bear. Yeah. The Super-Bear. The... Originator of all bears. Right. <laughs> the center of this whole bear conspiracy. Yes. Is Gigathorn. Yeah. So you need to know that that exists to then start being able to build. Right. So I guess I guess let's build Gigathorn's faction. I guess that's what we're doing. <laughs> sure. That's what we're doing. We've got to do this anyways if we're ever going to please Annette. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So 
you've got your your standard. And what are these? These are just normal bears. They're bears. They're just normal bears. Yeah. Maybe you have some tanuki in there. Okay. Sure. Just mix things up. Yeah. Right. You could also do if we are doing the Illuminati thing, just mm-hmm. some low level cultists. Yep. Just simple culty people. Yep. They have cloaks. They're being secretive. They might be bear cloaks. Ooh. <laughs> uh, yeah, so and that's very, very simple. Yeah. And and all you gotta think about for these minion level uh, antagonists is what is the motivation they've been given. Right. Because chances are they're just gonna be killed, so you don't need their motivation for listening. No. No. <laughs> that's just they're the early ones are mostly just there to introduce the bigger problem. Yep. So, for bears, it's pretty easy. Uh, they're bears. They're bears. They do bear things. Yep. These are not the Illuminati bears. No, they're just bears. These are not awakened bears. Nope. They're hungry bears. Yes. Uh, and they are sent to cause trouble wherever they roam. Correct. Yes. So, they might be angry bears. Sure. But there you go. That's That's one side of that. For cultists... They're the ones that sent the bears. They're the ones that sent the bears. They have animal handling. Yep. They have animal handling, and they're probably setting up maybe a base in a forest. Yeah. Or, yeah, that's that's basically it. But they've been told to do something, and they're doing it. Yep. Because they believe in it. They do. They're fervent believers, because they are cultists. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> See how easy this is? Yeah. <laughs> base level. Uh, but it does tell you a couple things about the faction. Yep. One, it has a natural sort of bent connected yes. with bears. It definitely does, yep. And two, there's some other deeper element going on because there's a cult. Yeah, and it's faith-based. Yes. So there is a deep-rooted reason yeah. for those who are doing it. And maybe it's religious or maybe it's all hogwash. Your party doesn't know yet. No, exactly. In this case, it's religious. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, because Gigathorn exists. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, then you've got your next rank up. Sure. Who's the one giving orders to your minions? Yeah. Who's directing them? These are not the people coming up with the orders. No, definitely not. This you, this is like your head of the cultists. This is your infrastructure. Yeah. For your faction. Yes. So this is the council of the cult. Yes. This is the charismatic leader of the cult. Yeah. Right? This is a werebear, maybe. Sure. In this case. That would be... In between humanoid and bear. That would be interesting because it allows them to be a go-between between the cultists and bears and the awakened bears. That would be the next level above. That's correct. And this is where you start giving motivations yes. for, for characters. Because these are going to be your low-level antagonists the party clash with. Um, so and clash with over time. Yep. Whereas bear, a session maybe two. Yep. Cultists fairly easy. You'll see hints of them. They may see several different cultists over time. Yep. But they're not going to hit like the cult leader. They are going to hit a few times over the course of a scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so, a couple really base ones that are great to work from are power hungry. Yep. Or uh, self-important. Sure. Yep. Right? Or just overly fervent. Yeah. And in the cult situation, overly fervent, 
Real easy fit. Yeah. Um, and then I like to give them some sort of damage. Uh, because you're not going to have a ton of depth for this antagonist. Right. But why do they do bad things? If there's some damage that's pretty out in the open about them. Yeah. Then, one, it gives the party maybe a weakness to work with. And two, it gives them sort of a reason to be doing these less than nice things. How do they fall into this situation? Sure. Nobody wakes up as a werebear and leader of a cult. No. No. You don't just kind of stumble into that. No. So where were they before? Not Probably not a werebear. Probably not a werebear. So how did they become a werebear? Was it traumatic or was it something they fought for? Yeah. Right? And the, it makes them important, but it also is damaging. Uh, so in this case, I'm going to say this person probably fell upon Awakened Bears and made a deal yeah. to stay alive. Yep. Right? And it just so happens that deal puts them in a position of power that they like. Yep. Never had any at home. Nope. Now got a lot. Yep. Sweet. There you go. You've got that level. Maybe have two or three of these uh, yeah. available depending on how big you want your threat to be. Yeah, exactly. And how long you want it to last at this level as well. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, if you're only playing to level 10, this is, you're probably being level 3. Yeah. And there's probably only one leader. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to overstretch this level because you need to get to the Awakened Bears. Yeah, yeah. You do need to get to the Awakened Bears. Because you know your party is A, going to love them. Yep. <laughs> and B, they're going to be hard. Mm-hmm. And a good step up towards Gigathorn. That's right. Urbear. Urbear. So your next level up is the people giving the orders. Yep. Right? And in this case, it's the Awakened Bear Illuminati. Now, before... Who, who also get sweet cults, like cloaks. They do get sweet cloaks. These are not bear cloaks, though. No. They're just normal cloaks. I was going to say human cloaks. Oh, yeah, that would work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why the cult leader made the deal. He's like, you're wearing human skin. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Not going to do that. But I will say stop for a second here. Sure. This is a great point, and you don't have to do this. This is a great point to have somebody who is connected to the higher level, but is an outcast to society. Okay, so sure. the person who left the cult for moral reasons. Yeah. Uh, or an awakened bear who thinks that bears and humans, humanoids, should live together peacefully. Yeah, why not? Right. We've done it for so long. Yeah. Or work together. The truth should be revealed. But I can't go into a human city... Because I'm a bear that talks. Yeah. What's up with that? What's up with that? Um, this oh, is a... you just invented a bear hermit. That's right. I like the bear hermit. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and the party can come across them, and this is a great way to introduce, oh, this goes deeper. Yes. Maybe when you beat the cult leader, this bear hermit was captured by him. Sure. Yeah. You find this bear, and it speaks to you? It's a great link into the next step. Yep. And now they have a bear friend. Now they have a bear friend. How adorable. <laughs> Parties like bear friends. They do. Parties like animal friends. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then, then you go on to build the bear Illuminati. And yes. that's when you're starting to think, what is the organization's goal? Right. And then you go back to what your force is. In this case, it's a secret group of bears... Looking to rule the world, basically. Or yep. at least control the world. Reforestation. Yep. Stop cutting down our forests. 
Yep. Stop eating our berries. So they're about destroying settlements. Yes. They're about reclaiming wilderness. Yep. But also, we've, because uh, this is for Gigathorn. Of course. We know that they're underground. So you have a group of subterranean bears that are intelligent and working towards the decimation of civilization as the party knows it. Right. But no one's really going to believe them. That's true, actually. Yeah. This feels like a stretch. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You, you say that to the town like guard captain. They're going to be like, look, you've done a lot for us. So thank you. So thank you for that. Um, do you have proof? Yeah. Uh, which is a great way to make the party go down there and find proof. Yep. And they have the bear hermit, but the bear hermit is not willing to risk themselves by going into a city. What if the bear hermit was an awakened surface bear? Yeah, maybe. Right? Civil war of bears. <laughs> right? Bear civil war. Yeah. Um, so now when you're doing this next level, you have... Oh my God, level 10 just got so much more fun in our narrative, but we have to save that for a net. <laughs> yes. Um, you have new sort of minions. Yep. These are higher level. These are the awakened bears that are not in positions of power. Right. But uh, these ones should have about the same level of complexity as your minions and mooks before. Except in this case, they're more in the know. Right. So they have, they have more information to give the players. And that means that there's more interesting ways for them to interact yep. with the players. There definitely would be. Uh, and then you have whomever is in charge of this level. In this case, it's probably High Priest of Gigathorn. Yep. Yeah, of course it's it's got to be a high priest if it's yeah. uh, if it's all built on a cult. Yeah, 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 the high priest of Gigathorn and his council, sure. right? And this is probably where you have a council member show up to sort of be that directing influence. You set up sort of a mirror of your first bit. Yep. But instead of there being like, oh, we finally got to this guy who's been directing these bears around, right? And then. Like, we've tracked him down to this temple underground, and we're finally going to put an end to this. Right. Right? And But, oh, he's talking to somebody? It's the High Priest of Gigathorn. Uh, and Gigathorn says, deal with this, and, I mean, the High Priest says, deal with this, and walks away. Yep. And now, all of a sudden, the party's like, what do you mean he's not in charge? <laughs> right? How deep does this go, GM? And then don't tell them. And don't tell them. Because obviously... It's this, tempting. This person but... underneath the high priest is not going to tell them. No. But this is probably... If he's talking to the high priest, this room is probably full of lieutenants. I would imagine. Yeah. And this is also where you can be like, okay, this is how big it actually is. And that's a great da dawning realization to force your players to have. Yep. And a good way to end a session, too. Yep. Cliffhanger. <laughs> yes. Um, but in terms of building the specific sort of infrastructure guy and the high priest, build the infrastructure guy a lot like you did the cult leader. Yeah, it's definitely gonna, he, do. He's doing the exact same thing, but in this case, his damage is going to not be as obvious. Yeah, and don't make it as obvious. No. Um, add a little bit more depth. Maybe give this guy a couple quirks. Yeah. Um, and, and make him not immune to diplomacy talking is a very real possibility especially if they have befriended the bear hermit right that bear hermit if you want to have a join me we could rule the surface together moment 
Yeah, you you could. Yeah, but also, this uh, lieutenant has stakes. Not not and more than the cult leader. The cult leader loses his power and maybe has to go on the run from the bear Illuminati. Yeah. But this lieutenant has worked his way up in his society. There's a lot there. And give him a rival. The rival might not help you or want to help you or the players, but they might. They could. Start introducing inter-faction friction. These are the people who are jockeying for positions of power. It might never come up, but that doesn't matter. Because if it does come up, you're ready. Yep. Uh, And then you have the high priest, who should be billed as your big bad. Yes. Absolutely billed as your big bad. This is the, the person who, outside of the Bear Illuminati, has connections to other places. Yeah. And is also very powerful. This is the first I would actually, like build a actual player character full yeah full, full player card, character full sheet yes full sheet and then add the things to make them the appropriate villain yep the magic items the extra stats and full backstory yep full Do backstory it. how did the high priest grow up in bear society how did they discover gigathorn yeah because if it's the high priest of gigathorn yeah they have direct contact with gigathorn they do they do, and this breaker you, of skies, eater of salmon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's clearly a thunder bear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, like, how did they do it? How did they grow up in this secret bear society? Yeah. Were they always in the secret bear society? Yeah. Were they? Maybe. Were they awakened surface bear? Who turned? Are they the brother of the bear hermit? Who knows? Look how deep that can go. <laughs> Uh, and make sure this has lot, lots of quirks. Yep. Well, maybe not a lot of quirks, but three or four. Three or four quirks tied to the stats. Yes. Uh, and also, this is the point where this is, should be the most human antagonist that you have. Yes. This is a person who maybe is virtuous in some ways. Why is the High Priest of Gigathorn doing what he's doing? Because always remember that even if they are villains, even if they're antagonists... Most of them don't see themselves as villains. Yeah. Maybe bears are were going extinct when this high priest was growing up. Yeah. Especially if if we don't go with the surface bear. If they were a subterranean bear. Yeah. 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 Right? Bears were almost extinct. And their family was destroyed by a civilization to make the lands around this town safer. Yes. Right? Maybe they see the destruction of the land and know that it's gone a step too far. They right? can have virtuous, grounded reason yeah. to be at direct odds with your party. Probably everyone in the Bear Illuminati society really looks up to them, genuinely. Yeah. and that, It would be weird if they weren't. Yeah, right? So this person is not a tyrant, they're looking out for their people and for their perspective. Yep. Right? And maybe they're taking things too far. In fact, they should be. Yeah. Specifically in your party's perspective. Yeah. yeah. But it should be a mirror of what's happened to them in this case. Right. Yeah. And that's where you're going to get the chance to do a villain monologue. Mm. <laughs> villain monologues. Yeah. And that's why we want you to have so much information about them. Because yeah. you're going to need it. And also, at this point in the campaign, 
there's going to be stuff that's been sprinkled in from you improvising or the players adding something that you weren't expecting. Yep. Right? And also, you've established that the bear Illuminati can make werebears. Yeah. So maybe it's the high priest who does that. That would make sense. Maybe the high priest is cursed by Gigathorn. Or blessed, depending on perspective. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I think that is the point right before your actual big bad. Yeah. Yeah. When they defeat the high priest, however they defeat them, yeah. Maybe, maybe it's in combat. Maybe they beat their ideology. It's possible. Maybe they just knock the pillars of power out from underneath them. And it all crumbles. It all crumbles. Right? This is where this, this big bad turns to their last resort, which is the power behind everything. Gigathorn. <laughs> yes. Now, this one also needs a full sheet. Yes. This one also needs a full backstory. Yep. This is the reason that everything that we have talked about for the last 20 minutes happens exists. Yes. You need to know Gigathorn inside and out. Yes. And remember, in this particular case, because this is something divine. Yeah. This is something beyond human. Yep. So it's villainous. Like, it doesn't care about being, like, having humanity. No, why would it? No, it has a singular, maybe not singular, but a definite purpose. Yes. Yeah. For it is Gigathorn. Yeah. Breaker of mountains. Eater of salmon. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Um, And this is sort of the point where if the parties had trouble convincing the world at large of what's happening... Oh, Gigathorn will convince the world at large. This is the part where it becomes undeniable. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When that mountain that's several miles outside of town splits in half and a bear blocks out the sun. Yeah. That's probably a good indication to that They were right. Right? (laughs) Yes. If I'm looking at the narrative, and this is just just me for when we're doing the Annette style, when we're actually building the narrative. Yeah. I would actually look like if they defeat the high priest, say through combat. Yeah. I wonder if it's not an invocation at the end, the dying invocation. Yeah. Where it's like you think you've killed the high priest. Okay, they then pull something out, sacrifice themselves, and, and all of a sudden that mountain splits in half. Yep. And it's also it's a great way to sort of enter your third act. Yep. Right? It's we beat him. It's over. We've reached the climax. Not no. quite. No, you have not. <laughs> yeah. Like, what's going to happen next? Well, this. <laughs> um, and and this is... The, Gigathorn is the sort of end villain that is an unstoppable force. Seems to be an unstoppable force. Yeah, seems force. to be an unstoppable force. Yeah. So you now have... How do you, like, build the unstoppable force? Yeah. Build something that you look at and you go, I don't know how they're going to deal with this. Yep. And then sit down and figure out how they might. Yes, because you need to know before they even get started. Yes. With the reveal of Gigathorn, are there other bear deities? Are there ancient artifacts that were built to deal with Gigathorn? Why was Gigathorn asleep? Why was he sealed? Yeah. Yeah. By who? And how? Yes. 
Um, and how is the party going to connect those things? Yes. Because if you don't set out with a plan for them to defeat Gigathorn, Gigathorn will defeat them. Yep. That's not typically what parties like. No. Losing. At the very end? Yeah. Not a big fan of that. I mean, they don't mind it if it's earned. True. If they had a chance and failed... If the rolling is off... That is fine. Okay. Yeah. But if it if they walk in there and they're like, uh, no clue what to do, so gonna try this, and you just swat them aside... Yeah. Probably not going to enjoy themselves. Yeah. But uh, I would say, in in the case of Gigathorn, you have to make Gigathorn imposing. Yep. You have to make Gigathorn powerful. Very. Right? Uh, you're probably making him arrogant. I would imagine. Or at least implacable. Yes, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Um, but a lot of times, if you're a really high-level uh, antagonist, you're endgame big bad, think James Bond. Yep. <laughs> what crippling thing is is dealing with this? So this, many this James Bond references in this one for some reason. Well, I guess it's my Simpsons. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Which means we could do the Bond podcast. That's true. We I could, could throw do that to you instead of Dave. You could. You could do that because <laughs> I've seen all of them several times. I think I've seen all but four. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I've seen a good amount. I can help with the four, probably. I've seen almost every almost every Bond. Well, you might just be missing some of the garbage ones, too. Yeah. Because there's some junk in the middle. Yeah. yeah anyway. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> but yes, Bond villains are a great indicator for the big bads. Yeah. And a great indicator for structure. Yep. Unfortunately, because they're only ranging between an hour and 38 minutes and like two and a half hours, you don't get a full-fledged, like, we just gave you, what, six steps? Yeah. You're not going to get that. But... The clear structure is there. Yeah. To at least show you, like, because henchman who has gun isn't very deep. No. Nope. It's just henchman with gun. Yep. But that is the structure we're literally describing to you is yep. every James Bond film. Yeah, and, and it's, it's a great structure to follow. Oh, it is. And because we've gone through this way, there's some powers that Gigathorn has that the party can infer. Yeah. Gigathorn is the originator of werebears. That's pretty easy because yeah. you already met a werebear. Yeah. Gigathorn is eater of salmon. Every time someone mentions Gigathorn, that seems to come up. Yeah. Is salmon important? Maybe. What if there's a salmon god? Maybe there's a salmon god. Maybe there's a god of the sea that has sworn vengeance onto Gigathorn. Ooh. <laughs> could you then become patrons of said salmon god? You could. Or maybe a character has been connected to that salmon god since the beginning. And they didn't realize it. Remember those random drops? What if that's because of salmon god? Maybe. This is a great time to reveal sort of hidden connections. Did you just name the salmon god Kohan? I did. Great. (laughs) It's basically Koho with an N. Kohan, school of the deep. Ooh, I like that. Now it's a hive mind. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Eater of fry. <laughs> Scaler of mountains. Uh, bearer of the stream. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, we're having lots of game. fun with titles, but like actually make titles. Oh yeah, do make titles. It's great. It's also a great way for like the herald of Gigathorn to come down and announce Gigathorn's presence. Yeah. Um and if that's mentioned all the time, your party's going to remember it. Yep. And they will start talking about it. Yeah, they will. It's also, those are the hints. Yep. Right? 
what happened in this giant threat's history. And it makes it so much easier yeah. for you. Yeah. Uh, and, and we're not giving a lot of detail here. Not yet, no. But I'm sure you've got a pretty good idea of Gigathorn. Yeah, I feel like it. Yeah. You, like that. We haven't even talked about a lot of personality. No. Or really a lot of specific abilities. Skills, feats, traits, nothing. Nope. But you have a very good idea. And of how what Gigathorn e- is. And how easy would that be to build? Because you have that basis. Yep. And that took us, what, 27 minutes? Not that long. Not that long. And don't forget, during the game, things are going to get sprinkled in. Yep. And not just by you. Nope. Players are going to mention something. You'll be like, yes. Yes. I like that. I agree with you. <laughs> that could be carved from a talon. Yes. Yes, it could. Yes, it could. I guess I could start working with that some. Hmm. He is named Gigathorn. Yep. Why? Huh. Huh. Yeah, uh, it's great. This start. This all starts... This started with a joke. Yeah, it sure did. Started with a singular joke, and look how much you can flesh it out. That's... And that's all you need. Yeah. And again, I understand for new people that might seem daunting. Yeah. Because for us, we are both improv-based, and we've both been doing this a lot. Yeah. So it's not like we expect you to be able to just spitball like this. No. If you can find somebody else to spitball with, though, that makes a big difference. No, absolutely. And it... Like, that's why it's great to have other people who are in the hobby who are not playing with you. Yeah. Uh, Go online to forums if you need to. Yeah. (laughs) Tweet at Sean and Jeremy. Yeah. We'll do this. Oh, absolutely. I'd do this for sure. Yeah, this is a a nice break. Yeah, it's easy. Yeah. I don't need to edit code or, like, copy for a a few minutes. I don't need to talk about flooring. Right. (laughs) We're good with that. Yeah. We'll do it. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk about, I guess, the nitty-gritty now of Gigathorn. Okay, sure. Uh, what we, Where do you think we should start? Uh, well, you started with, with a few traits. I feel like that's a good place to start to mm-hmm. give him the grounding. Mm-hmm. But then you got to go to stats. Yep. You need to know his stats first. And these stats are Big. much higher than the players. Big yeah. stats. Once again, build Gigathorn thinking, I don't know how they're going to deal with this. Yeah, you don't want them to be able to deal with it right away either. This is your third act, right? Now you have the central force of this. Yep. So you want them to have to gather for a little while. Maybe level a couple times still, too. Or be on the run. Yeah. Because being on the run feels urgent. Yep. And that urgency will drive your players. Absolutely. And it will also give the game a feeling of desperation that probably hasn't been around since your first couple levels. Yeah. Because in the first couple levels, it's so easy to die. Yeah, but then all of a sudden, they're just kind of walking through those cultists and, oh, yep. lieutenants of the Awakened Bears, bah, I've got, like, fifth-level spells. I don't need to worry about this. Zap, yep. zap, zap. Uh, how do you think they feel when their chain lightning goes off and Gigathorn laughs? Yeah. And then, like, curls into his little ball and then just bolts of lightning all directions out of him. Yep. Dealing, I don't know, half of their HP and damage? maybe all of it. Maybe all? But he probably just walks away because they are ants to him. Yep. For he is Gigathorn. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, So the the stats should be amazing. Huge stats. I wouldn't even give a weakness in stats. Statistics-wise. No. No. Like, maybe slightly weaker in some than others, but not weak in any. The only things that I would even consider about 
would be stuff that's tied to charm. Yep. Maybe his personality's not great because yep. he don't care. Because he doesn't need to have a great personality. No, he's Gigathor. <laughs> no, why does he need to placate people beneath him? He doesn't. He's nope. Gigathor. Exactly. Yeah. That's what paws are for. <laughs> <laughs> paws and lightning. Yes, paws and lightning. So, doesn't need to worry about that. So if that's the only flaw, what do they deal with? They yep. don't see a flaw, and there's no easy flaw. Skills, high. Yep. High level. But and... not skills in every area. Nope. Just anything that Gigathorn is should be good at. Gigathorn is amazing at contexts. Yeah, contextually, anything skill wise and feat wise, yep, needs to be perfect. And also remember, in this case, um, your antagonist is going to fill several roles. If we're looking at Gigathorn, he is the patron and originator of all bears. Yep. So anything a bearer is good at, he is the best at. Yes. Um, Which makes it very easy because you just have to be like, hey, what did I do with bears? Yep. What have I been doing for the last two years? Turn it up to 11. Exactly. Uh, Second thing that Gigathorn is, is a deity. So someone who is divine, what would they be good at? And they are godly at it. And there are a lot of good resources for you to check out for that if that's the, yeah. if this is your first time do it looking into something that is a deity. Yep. There's a lot of great stuff that you can look at. Look, there's stat blocks for deities online. There's in uh, monster manual books. Yep. Um, and and actually even look at myth. Yeah. Right. Like when we're talking about titles before, Gigathorn, Splitter of Mountains, Devourer of Salmon. Take those titles and give Gigathorn or whoever the abilities to birth those. Yeah, exactly. They need to have the skills and feats to be able to do it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, And when Sean talks about feats, he's talking about sort of powerful one-off effects specific to the character. Yes. So Gigathorn is probably immune to lightning and thunder damage. I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, Crushing? Nope. Yeah. Nope. Gigathorn probably has the ability to change his size. I would imagine. You know, maybe he has a weakness to water, but maybe not. You have to decide those things. Yes. And and those are the things that the party is going to have to work around, right? And honestly, I would take a look at your party as you're going through your game and see what one of their favorite tactics is. Yeah. What's something they love doing? And they do a lot. And guess what? is not going to work on Gigathorn. Nope. It might work on 90% of the people they meet. Yeah, sure. It might be their modus operandi. It does not work on Gigathorn. Because that makes them do something different. Yeah. And that makes them think. Yep. And they're going to appreciate it. It makes everything more interesting. I mean, you should be doing that as you go through and keep challenging your party and players as they're going through this this force. But sometimes that gets tough, yep. especially if you've got established tiers. Yep. We're just like, oh, they figured out this tier. Crap. Yep. Well, that's the next four sessions. Mm, yep. Well, they're just going to do it. Fine. Yep. Gigathorn does not. <laughs> nope. And you have Gigathorn be strong in areas that they are weak. Yes. Uh, this is a threat, and it should be the threat to end all threats. Because it is the threat to end all threats for yeah. this party. Yeah. So it so needs to be that. Take off your kitty gloves. I know that... And put on your bear claws. Put on your bear claws. And then eat them because they're delicious. Uh- Yum. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I have a tendency as a GM to make things slightly too easy. Okay. 
Um, and that's just because I want my players to have success and I don't trust them to behave optimally. Yeah. Um, but players will surprise you continually. They will. And that's so, part of the best part. The way I always build, and this goes a little bit into encounters, the way I build anything is that I think this should probably almost kill half the party. Yep. Because I know I have a tendency to make it a little bit easier than it should be. So usually what happens is at the end of the day, for me, maybe one person is close to death. Which oh, is, I okay. think, the perfect difficulty for a hard encounter. Okay, sure. It means if the rolls go badly, it could wipe them. Yeah. Um, but if they play smart, they can do well enough that maybe only one of them goes down. Uh, I think that's a good difficulty for most of the time. For your big bad, go three steps beyond that. Um, and you'll you'll find where you sort of sit on that thing for balance. It's a comfort level for you, and it's a comfort level because if you know that would wreck your party, yeah, maybe don't. Yeah, this is not you killing your party. No, right? They, sh- they there should, should be a chance that it happens. There should be a pretty good chance it happens. But that should not be your end goal. No. There should be a way. Yeah. And we tying this back to the start. There should be a way that they can stop it. Yep. But if it's the last, if it's your cleric is the last one standing, bloodied to all get out. Yeah. Good. They should have used every single resource. Yeah. That they have. If they still have healing items left. Yeah. You didn't make it hard enough. Yep. That's the way I looked at, like, even at a level six, which was the first tier or the highest tier of the cannibal bad guys in the alpha party Mm -hmm. they almost died yep and their best fighter was one one number on one roll away from going down and then that big bad would have murdered the party (laughs) yeah i I think i was the only one because i'm a ranged character yeah that hadn't that had i could take maybe two hits yep still (laughs) maybe yep and now nobody went down nope. in that fight. Nope. But one roll, one number. Yep. They got a 17, I got a 16. I can say as from the player side, we felt like we might be wiped. Um, so, yeah, because also at this point, the party is going to bring their allies. Oh, yeah. Bear Hermit. Oh, yeah, Bear Hermit's going to help. Yeah. Bear Hermit's family, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, well, we, we haven't much fleshed did, out that ma- civil war. How much did they invest in that, right? Exactly. The, the stuff the players did, everything the players did in the campaign comes to a head here. Yep. And that includes the connections they've built and the bridges they've burned. That guard that didn't believe them believes them now. Yep. Maybe there's a contingent of that guard to help. Yep. Yep. To clear the lower lever, because I'm assuming... Gigathorn's going to have the, the rest of the bear Illuminati. You did not wipe them out. No. You got to the high priest. Exactly. Yeah. What does Kohan bring? Did, you, did they go talk to Kohan? Then Gigathorn can be harder because yep. they also got a god on their side. Yep. Yeah, and, and all this is about building up. Yes. Uh, we've talked about sort of basic story structure before. Yep, we From did. the point Gigathorn is revealed, there should only be rising action. Yep. Don't take breaks. No. They don't get breaks here. Nope. Gigathorn is too big of a threat. Yep. Both literally and figuratively. Yes. Absolutely. And my last thing when you're building this, because you've got your unique traits, yep. your feats, you've got your skills laid out, you've got your stats laid out. Full backstory, full everything, right. full sheets, yes. Now, what is the thing that is strange? Because 
you bring this out, maybe they've they're fighting Gigathorn, they're doing pretty well, they've got him down to half of his uh, resources. Yep. What's the strange thing that Gigathorn does that nobody was expecting? What's the Final Fantasy boss shift? Yep. There's not only one form, there's two. Maybe there's three. Maybe. Maybe Gigathorn starts eating things and healing. Or yeah. maybe Gigathorn has a father, <laughs> right? Or maybe Gigathorn is not of this reality. There's a lot to draw from. Tons. Especially that, if you're based in a system that already exists, like yep. D&D, which yep. is what we usually recommend for first people. Yep. So. Just, what's the thing that's going to blow somebody's mind? Yep. Right? Maybe Gigathorn summons a storm of immense power, and the lightning that hits him heals him. That's fun. I like And cinematic. Yeah, well, we both like writing cinematic stories. Yes. <laughs> yes. This is the thing where, like, a lot of times before the final battle, the party's going to feel fairly prepared. Yeah. They know that it's going to be hard and it's going to be difficult. Right. But they've done the work. And they've, they've done everything they feel they can. Yeah, everything they feel they can. And they're fighting and it's going the way they expect it to. And then the storm is summoned. Yep. And lightning starts healing Gigathorn. How do you stop that? Yeah. This is an oh shit moment you want to happen. Yep. And you need to know of a couple ways that it's possible still. Yep. But they might surprise you. Yep. And if they do, great. If they don't, well, that's why Gigathorn's hard. Yep. Because it should be. And then at the end, what does... Can they even defeat Gigathorn? Do they have to seal Gigathorn? Like, what is the end game? Because that's going to be your denouement. Yep. What's the resolution? Once the storm has cleared and the sun shines once more on the lands of man. Yeah. And surface bear. And surface bear. And salmon. And salmon. <laughs> Depending on what they did. Yep. What happens? Yeah. Right? What ha The players are the heroes of yeah. this if they succeed. Exactly. But who was lost? Who was saved? What does the future look like? And that's what your denouement is. And, and will Gigathorn return in the future? Or, with the death of Gigathorn, are the deities now imbalanced? So that next campaign takes place 100, 200, 300 years later in a world where there are no Gigathorn-style yep. things. Yep. What has risen in its place? Yes. Something will. It's a power vacuum. Now, with no bear consuming the salmon, does Kohan get drunk on power? Kohan the Sturge? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's how you build a big faction antagonist. And that's not to say that you won't find antagonists that are story adjacent. Sure. Um, but all the skills you need are there. Uh, separating it into tiers is very useful. So useful. Uh, creating mirrors is very useful. Yep. Um, and also, when you're creating an antagonist for the way up to the big threat, think of foils. One really well-established trope that is a useful trope is having another adventuring party that is equal but opposite. Hmm, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, and a lot of times you're going to find characters that are antagonists along the way that are maybe you didn't even think they were going to be things 
Sure. But now maybe they become part of this adventuring party, right? Maybe and they need help. And when they're gathering their allies to finish the thing off, if they can fill in some of their gaps, because every party's got gaps. Yep. It's good. Yeah, and, and also it's their rivals, their antagonists. They can fill a sometimes ally thing. Yeah. Maybe they get begrudging respect respect for each other. Sure. Um, but again, pay attention and insert and reuse when you can. Yes. Yeah. Take notes. C C C. Anything else you want to add? Um, I don't think so. If people are looking for different antagonist types, I feel like that's something we need to talk about in a different podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe half of one. Yeah. Because ours seem to go for an hour and a half almost every time. Pretty much. Yeah. I just, I don't feel like jumping into doing plays on that, or now that you have that structure, mm-hmm. changing it. Flipping it on its head. Is a good thing for us to do today, because that would mean we talk for way more time. This is true. This is true. So people want more, but I feel as a first time building NPCs, yeah. I don't know that you can do much better than that. Yeah, I mean, I guess... Let's give a couple resources because we mentioned James Bond villains. Yep, sure. As a place to look, but that goes for all fiction and media. Yep. Look at them, especially if there's a series that you like the way they do their villains. We've mentioned manga and anime before. Yep. There's especially battle ones, or if you're looking at historical things, they yep. usually have a structure that is different but along the same vein. Yep. Uh, steal what you like. Yep. There's tons of franchises. Tons. And don't be afraid to look at... Uh, I'm going to pull up Naruto here. Okay, sure. Um, but don't be afraid to look at very beginning series villains. So in Naruto, there's Zabuza. Yep. Which is an assassin, basically. Yeah, pretty much. He's got some depth to him. It, sure. But not a ton. <laughs> no. Don't be afraid to take that and develop it further. Yeah. Um, because that's there's a little bit of depth there to work with. And sometimes that's all you need. Um, what you heard me and Sean do is basically a big game of yes and. Pretty much. Um, do that with yourself. Do that with yourself. But if you need a point to start, take it. Steal something. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it. I think that's the best resource you can give somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Everything. <laughs> yes. Just, just take from anything and everything. That's right. Well, I guess that's it. You, Mr. and Miss Internet, are the lifeblood of our podcast, and we want to answer your questions or just have a good old chat. Want to talk to us on Twitter? I can be found at Mighty Thews. Sean is at Sean Cord. That's Sean with you. And we are super serious. If you need help fleshing stuff like this out, just send us a message. Yeah. Tweet at us, and we'll follow you so we can DM. Yep. That's fine. And by DM, I mean direct message, not do the game for you. No. Because I am not building a game for you. Nope. (laughs) Unless... You are just taking the bear narrative. I will tell you this. I'll tell you. If you pay me $30 an hour of game time, I will DM for you. <laughs> yeah. I think, I feel like that's a good way. Yeah. I would do the same. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, we are at Guys From Podcast. Uh, you can also email us at guysfrompodcast at gmail.com or Facebook us at the Guys From. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Someone might do that eventually. Maybe. <laughs> if you enjoy the guys from podcast, tell anyone you can any way you can. And the best thing you can do to help us get the word out there is to leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice. We're available pretty much everywhere podcasts are found, including Stitcher, the Blueberry app, Podbean, two thumbs up media. You name it, we're probably there. If we're not, you let me know. 
and I will fix it. Hey, Jeremy, is there anything you wanted to plug? Sure. So on my other podcast, The Third Space, mm-hmm. uh, Kevin and I recently did a deep, deep dive on Bright. Woo! Um, and the reason why we did that is we're basically a world-building podcast. And uh, speaking of the consistency in the C- three C's of D&D... Correct. Bright has none of it. So... If you are worried about consistency or being inconsistent, maybe listen to that two-parter that we just did. And uh, you might find out the things that are forgivable and that are not. Uh, Also, it's a thing I did. And if you like me, you might enjoy it. Uh, So, yeah, uh, check out those uh, if you are worried about specifically consistency. That's fair. Yeah. On our website, www.theguysfrom.com, aside from hosting Kohan's podcast, we also write articles on things like music. That's indie music every weekday, throwback tracks on Thursdays, movies, gaming, both video, and their... When does this come out? Yes, there should be a new uh, tabletop RPG article Yep. by the time that you are hearing this. So be sure to check those out as well. If you're looking for more horror or pop culture goodness, head to Instagram and check out The Dark Half. That's T-H-E underscore Dark Half, exactly the way you think it's spelled. It's primarily what I used to do at iHorror, but I'm doing it for myself, and I'm having a good time doing it. And just take a step back, breathe, read something you like, watch something you like. If you're having trouble building, I can promise you Consuming something else will give you ideas. And worst case scenario, we've said it several times now, reach out. We can give you a hand. Yeah, and remember what we said at the very, very beginning. You're not going to be at 11 every single time. Nope. So don't beat yourself up about it. Take some twos. Yep. Take some threes. Yep. Mm, Three. Sometimes you roll bad. (laughs) Yep. You never know. Maybe that NPC that you thought was going to be important doesn't show up, or maybe they strangle themselves on chains. Whatever. (laughs) It just happens. Uh, uh, Special thanks to The Sweets for our opening music. Check them out at wearethesweets.com, and also to Kevin McLeod for our ad music, Rainbows, and our takeout music called Fearless First. This has been episode 210 of the Guys From Podcast, the Salmon Eating Podcast. Just love that salmon. Delicious, <laughs> delicious salmon. Thanks for listening. Once again, I'm Sean. And I'm Jeremy. Have a great month, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Guys for Podcast is brought to you in part by nothing. Nothing, but yes and. Do it. Just yes and. It helps. I agree. 